Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining the Therapeutic Thursdays podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members discuss what's new and ongoing in the world of therapeutics. My name is Gift Wake, and I'm the System Manager for Medication Use and Pharmacoeconomics at Novant Health. Today, I'm joined by our guest, Chelsea Hoyle, a PGY1 specialty pharmacy and administration resident at Novant Health, and Patrice Deer Sakia, a PGY1 resident at Novant Health Presbyterian Medical Center. In this episode, we will be discussing therapies for HIV management. The primary focus will be on new and emerging pipeline therapies, in addition to what pharmacists can do to promote access and adherence. So welcome everyone. So let's get started with Chelsea. Chelsea, what are the current and newly approved medications for HIV treatment? There are a variety of different treatment options for HIV. Typically in patients, we see either a two drug or a three drug antiretroviral therapy regimen that have different mechanism of actions to target the HIV affected cells. The different mechanism of actions are aimed to target various components of the HIV life cycle. So things like binding or attachment, fusion, reverse transcription, integration, and budding or maturation. The drug classes include integrase strand transfer inhibitors, nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, boosters and entry and attachment inhibitors. So that's things like CCR5 antagonist, attachment inhibitor, post-attachment inhibitors, and fusion inhibitors. As far as newly approved HIV treatment options, we have cabotegravir, which was approved in January of 2021, which is an integrase strand transfer inhibitor that blocks integrase enzymes to prevent HIV DNA from inserting into the host cell DNA. The advantage for this new treatment is that it's an intramuscular injection that patients can get either monthly or every two months. This is beneficial because patients don't have to deal with the stigma around thinking about their HIV diagnosis when taking a daily medication. Another new medication that was actually approved on December 22nd of 2022 was lenacaprevir or Sunlinka. Lenacapavir was approved for multi-drug resistant HIV-1, and this therapy will be either an oral option or a twice a year injection given by a provider every six months. There's currently a clinical hold by the FDA on the injectable version of this medication, but it's something exciting to think about in the future. Thanks, Chelsea. Patrice, what about up and coming treatments? Are there any meds in the HIV treatment pipeline? Yes, Gift. There's currently a phase one clinical trial of IMC-M113V. It is a novel mechanism. It is um, an MTAV molecule, and spelling that out, it's I-M-M-T-A-V, which stands for Immune Mobilizing Monoclonal TCRs Against Virus. Um, They're biospecific molecules that are made to help the immune system target and destroy virally infected cells. Um, Like I mentioned, it's currently in phase one clinical trials, and it's hoping to achieve sustained control of HIV despite stopping um, our typical antiretroviral therapy without having the risk 
risk of relapse or transmission of the virus. Immunocore is planning to report some of that data from the trial um, this year. Well, thanks for that. So we've talked about HIV treatments. Let's talk about HIV prophylaxis. Chelsea, can you tell us about any current or newly approved medications? Yes, Gaff. So PrEP is known as pre-exposure prophylaxis and is used in individuals that engage in high-risk behaviors, but these individuals are HIV negative. Currently, there are only two oral options utilized in PrEP, so that's emtricitabine with TDF or TAF, um, so Truvada or Descovy, which are nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors. Based off the DISCOVER trial, Descovy should be avoided if the primary risk is vaginal sex due to the medication not reaching high enough levels in the vaginal tissue, but both medications are dosed daily and do offer a PrEP treatment or prevention option. Additionally, there's now an injectable option for PrEP. Cabotegravir with or without an oral lead-in can be utilized to prevent HIV infections among all patients at risk through sexual exposure. This option is useful for individuals that may have serious um, kidney disease, and it's also dosed monthly for two doses, then extended to every two months thereafter. Thank you. And how about the HIV pipeline, Patrice? Any preventative medications in progress? Yeah, so um, there are several um, pre-exposure prophylaxis medications in the pipeline. Um, I will be going over three medications specifically that are there. The first being is Latrovir. It is a long-acting nucleoside reverse transcriptase translocation inhibitor. It had originally been taken in combination with Doravirine or an NNRTI, um, which sustained viral depression for 144 weeks in treatment-naive patients. And the Illuminate switch trials actually show that this regimen suppressed virus levels for 48 weeks in patients who switched to the combination from another regimen. The eslatrovir later became paired with MK8507 as a once-weekly combination since doravirine couldn't be used as long-acting therapy. This revised regimen has been explored in the phase two Imagine DR trial. However, that trial has been paused because there has been some, some concerns with CD4 cell decline that they saw. The second medication is lenacapavir. Um, like Chelsea mentioned earlier, lenacapavir is an HIV-1 capsid inhibitor being developed for treatment and prevention of HIV-1. Um, the Purpose One trial is looking at the use of lenacapavir for PrEP and emtricitabine TAF for PrEP in adolescent girls and young women. This study is being conducted in South Africa and Uganda. Uh, Purpose Two trial is a phase three study looking at lenacapavir for PrEP in cisgender men, transgender women, transgender men, and gender non-binary individuals who have sex with individuals who were assigned male at birth. Uh, this study will be occurring in the United States, South Africa, Peru, and Brazil. And like Chelsea also briefly mentioned earlier, there is currently a clinical hold by the FDA on the use of injectable lenacapavir um, in borosilicate glass vials, as there's concerns regarding the formation of subvisible glass particles in the solution. However, um, with this hold, the oral formulations aren't affected. 
And then lastly, the dalpivirine vaginal ring um, is the third medication I'll mention. Um, it was granted pre-qualification of product by the World Health Organization and is recommended for cisgender women at risk of HIV infection. Um, the ring has already been approved in multiple African countries, with research having been done in Kenya, Malawi, uh, Rwanda, South Africa, Tanzania, Uganda, and Zimbabwe. However, it's not being submitted to the FDA. And there are additional studies occurring involving adolescents and pregnant or breastfeeding women. And they're also developing a ring with dalpivirine in combination with a contraceptive to improve that as well. And then thinking about post-exposure prophylaxis in the pipeline, from my research, I saw none, um, no medications that were the pipeline for this specific. Well, great. Thanks for sharing all of that. Let's now talk about vaccines for HIV. Currently, there are no vaccines for HIV prevention, but is this something we can look forward to in the future? Yeah, there is one um, preventive vaccine, the AD26, or it might be AD26. Uh, several studies um, are involving cisgender women, men who have sex with men, and transgender people are being done. Um, the HVTN705, or the Imbocoto Phase 2B trial, didn't show efficacy in cisgender women and was actually stopped earlier in August 2021. There's also the HVTN706 or the Maseco phase three study that's being conducted in Argentina, Brazil, Italy, Mexico, Peru, Poland, Spain, and the United States um, that include men who have sex with men and transgender people. And that's still ongoing and projected to complete around the end of 2023. And then there's also the PrepVac uh, trial. It's a phase 2B trial looking at two vaccine regimens and two daily PrEP regimens, um, specifically amtricitabine with TAF or TDF in men and women, um, and that won't finish until 2024. Very exciting. That gives us a lot to look forward to in the next several months. So as we begin to close, let's talk about any concerns with access and adherence for this patient population. There's actually been a few qualitative studies that found that some of the largest barriers to adherence were forgetfulness and fatigue, stigma and discrimination, and various financial barriers. The financial problems may arise from issues like newer medications that aren't available as a generic, or even considering the financial barriers of the cost of transportation to pick up their medications, or simply just not having transportation at all. Wow, I bet that opens up a lot of opportunities for pharmacists. So how can pharmacists support patient access or enhance adherence? That is a great question, Gith. So when dealing with specialty medications, it's imperative that pharmacists understand ways that they can support patients' access to medications and enhance their overall adherence. One of the ways that pharmacists can support patients is through close monitoring for any type of adverse effect from the medication that may warrant a change to a new medication to ensure adherence. Another way is through providing mail order services to provide an easily accessible way for patients to receive their medication. 
It is also worth noting that some patient may, patients may feel a stigma around having a chronic illness and taking a daily medication can be a constant reminder that they are living with this illness. I think this is a great place for pharmacists to intervene and counsel patients about new therapy options that allow for less frequent dosing, such as monthly or even six months with newer long-acting injectable treatments when patients qualify for such treatments. Another way that pharmacists can help with access and enhance adherence is by being aware of foundations and financial support options for patients. For example, the Ryan White HIV and AIDS program provides a variety of HIV-related services. These are just a few of the many ways that pharmacists can make an impact on access or adherence for patients living with HIV. Very good. Thanks so much for those insights. I definitely agree that there are ample opportunities um, for pharmacists to provide support and um, also to play an active role. And that's all the time we have for today. So thank you to our guests for a great topic and discussion. And for our ASHP members, additional resources are available via the ASHP clinical resources page. There you can find offerings such as resource centers for various areas of clinical practice, the preceptor toolkit, and forums for posted discussions amongst peers. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to ASHP Official through your favorite podcast provider. We want to thank you again for tuning into the session of Therapeutic Thursdays. Join us here every Thursday where we'll be talking with ASHP member subject matter experts on a variety of clinical topics, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.